0: Who doesn't love a good DIY project? But how do you take what you see online or on television and translate that into your home, especially when you are not naturally handy? Today, we'll look at what you need to know to get started and build up your DIY skills. Welcome to Simplify and Enjoy, the podcast and community focused on helping families have less stress and more options through minimalism and financial independence. I'm your host, El Martinez. This podcast is sponsored by Coastal Credit Union. Coastal's mission is to help you live a better life by offering you a better way to bank. Find out how at bankbetter.org. Last week, we were talking about being a frugal foodie, homebrewing, and having a garden at your place. These are some of my favorite topics. I enjoy talking about how to save money and put it towards goals that matter to you, but I also love learning new things. As I mentioned last week, I wasn't a natural gardener. My first attempts were pretty bad keeping plants alive. I ended up going with cacti, and fake plants for inside the house for a few years. By starting off small, with a little front patio garden, I began to get some practice and to learn some skills. And I would not call myself a garden expert now, I'm really proud that we have a space out back where we can grow the vegetables that we enjoy and love. I feel the same way about DIY. I'm not a naturally handy person, but when we became homeowners, We, out of necessity, had to learn some skills, not only so that we can save some money, but turn our house into our home. If you're thinking of taking on some home projects, but you don't know where to start, then this is your episode. Whitney Hansen, who's the creator and host of the Money Nerds podcast, is here today. Besides her financial skills, she also has some serious DIY talents. She loves to jump into projects, whether it's painting her house, building a fireplace, or flipping furniture. In this episode, we'll get into why and how she got started with her home projects, how to save money when you're doing DIY, and where she finds resources to learn new skills. Are you ready? Let's get started. With DIY, everyone sees TV. They get an idea, they get inspired, and they're going to try to tackle it. And they're just like, what did I get myself into? Mm-hmm. Were you one of those that kind of got inspired by what you saw on TV? I mean, there's different reasons people get into DIY. What was your kind of motivation?
1: Yeah, it's an interesting question. I think really where that initial confidence and in DIY-ness came from was growing up. My dad owned a pallet distributing company. So we would, as a kid, my job to pay for any sports or, I mean, if I want to gas my car, like any way or any money was I would have to go out and build pallets. I was like 10 years old using a Sawzall and just like going to yeah. town and hitting nails and just like having a good time rebuilding pallets. I think that it taught me that you don't have to be afraid of power tools, which I, I know a lot of people are really scared of them. But I grew up very familiar with that. And so, you know, using saws when you're like 10 years old, it's a really good confidence boost. I think what happened is Tony and I had this moment where the house that I'm in right now, I bought this one when I was 19 and it was really cool. And we had this moment where I was trying to sell it and it would not sell, which is so crazy because today it'd be gone in two seconds. But at that time I couldn't even break even on the house. And I was for sale for almost six months. I want to say we had this moment where we're like, we can't sell the house. Like it's not moving. Maybe we should just move back in and just remodel it and make it kind of good enough for us at a place that we're comfortable with and save up some money. That's what we did. That's kind of where I got my first taste of what DIY like larger scale DOA projects actually look like. So it was like ripping up floors and doing a laminate all downstairs, uh, replacing kitchen counters, doing backsplash, building a fireplace. Like it was all kinds of crazy stuff, (laughs) but it came from desperation because I had nowhere else to live. Like I had to make it work here and make it comfortable.
0: You do tackle a lot of projects and I know you only put some of them online, but it seems like you go pretty fast between you have an idea and you execute that is that always the case like i was amazed with the fireplace first of all looks incredible thank you how do you do that in a weekend or how do you plan things out well okay
1: so this is okay. probably not the best advice but i i get an idea and i'm not a planner <laughs> this is so bad i should be better about this it would save my budget a lot sometimes too but i get an idea And I might find something on like Pinterest or Instagram or like watching HGTV. I find something, I'm like, oh, that looks so fun. And then I immediately go home and start taking action. Before I have any of the details, I'll make a couple first steps. And it drives Tony, my partner, crazy. He's like, oh my God, you need to plan things, Whitney. But it's just not how my brain works. I just dive in and then I start to just figure it out as I go. Most of the stuff that I've learned is a lot of the projects that we think are going to be really difficult. Mm-hmm. are sometimes not as difficult if you break it down into smaller steps. Like if you can visualize how do you build an extra wall and frame out a wall so you can have an electric fireplace, if you can visualize just the wall piece first and then build that out and then, you're, okay, now what do I do with my wall? I have to drywall it. Yeah. So once you start to see the step-by-step, it's really not that difficult. Instead of just looking at the whole thing, just break it down
0: really, really small. That helps me with my brain. I don't know. Okay. You say it, you don't, budget, but you're saving a significant amount of money with the exterior, uh, what painting of your house. I listened to that episode. That was fun.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Dude, Do not recommend. Okay. So here's, here's the rule of them. When it comes to painting the exterior of your house, Mm -hmm. we had to, it was, it was due. It was the same paint job since 2008. We sat there and we're like, let's get some quotes. So we got some quotes and it was anywhere between usually about 10 to 15,000 is what we were hearing. And that hurts my heart so much because yeah. I'm not a debt person so I mm-hmm. cash flow everything. So hearing that I'm like, oh, do you know what I could do with $10,000? Like <laughs> instead what I decided is we're going to try it. We're going to tackle it. It can't be that difficult. People do it all the time. We're going to give it a shot. We found some paint on Facebook Marketplace. A painter was selling. It was 15 gallons of this really great Sherwin Williams outdoor paint. Yeah. And it wasn't the color I loved but it worked out really, really well because it was just shy. I think it was either a hundred or just shy of a hundred dollars for all of that paint. And so we purchased wow. it and that's the bulk of the cost. Cause that's like what our main house color is. We made it work. We also mm-hmm. bought a really expensive, I think it was 300 or $400 paint sprayer, like a Greco okay. one. And that saved us a lot of time too. What we learned is like even having that paint gun and even paying that cost was still so much cheaper. And now we yeah. have the gun as well. So I don't know, it was worth it. It's scary because I'm scared of heights, but mm-hmm. it was kind of fun.
0: Yeah, well, I mean, that's incredible, but that's one of the reasons families and couples that get into DIY out of necessity and yes. saving a significant amount of money for you. How do you... Figure, okay, this is something I want to try out or I'm going to do versus I need to call a contractor professional at least to kind of get an idea (laughs) of the steps or are you just like, as long as I don't have to open up a wall, I'm good. Oh no. I'm cool with that too. (laughs) Yeah.
1: When I first got started, I probably never would have touched electrical or plumbing Mm -hmm. to this day. I'm still a little bit intimidated by plumbing. I'm trying to work through that with some small scale projects myself of just like, okay, it's not that hard. You can do it, but it still freaks me out. Electric I'm okay with now. What helped me with that is my Tony, his dad, it used Mm -hmm. to be an electrician. So he came into our house and taught us like how to do a new outlet. We wanted one in our laundry room. And so he's was like, oh yeah, here's how you do it. Here's how you make sure you don't kill yourself. It was great. After that, yeah. I'm like, okay, we're good. We can handle this. So usually if I have somebody show me the really scary pieces first, I feel more comfortable with that. But most of the time, what I've learned is everything is figure outable. Even if you get into something and you tear down drywall and you can't move a wall and you're like, oh crap, I thought I could, but now it's load bearing. That sucks. Mm -hmm. Put some drywall up. It's okay. Like you're going to survive. It'll be all right.
0: So how do you do that? Like, it's great to have someone who has that professional experience, but say it's something where you don't have a person to kind of go to and guide you. What are your resources? YouTube (laughs) for sure. Any favorite channels? (laughs) Uh,
1: Yeah, actually there's a guy that is a local Boise guy. So I live in Boise, Idaho. And he is a YouTuber. His name is Mr. Build It on YouTube. And the part that really resonated with me is at that time, when I first started watching him, he was a physical therapist, no respiratory therapist. That's what he was. And so he was, that was his full-time job. And he's just showing you, Hey, I'm going to replumb some stuff in my bathroom and I'm going to build a sauna and I'm going to do some new stairs and watching that. I'm like, this guy has no training whatsoever. The only difference is he's confident. And he knows that the solution is out there.
0: And so that really
1: inspired me just to take action and try some things.
0: Yeah. Oh, my goodness. So you mentioned with your house, one of the projects was flooring. Was that like towards the beginning, one of your first projects? Or do you remember your earliest projects?
1: Yeah, that was by far the first one. So at that time, when I couldn't sell the house, it it was a rental beforehand. Mm -hmm. And the carpet was just trashed. And so we had this moment where we needed to either replace the carpet or do something different. And I wanted more of a hard surface. I I had a little dog at that time and he was always in and out and just like tracking in all the dirt. And so that was really the first project that we did aside from like painting walls and that kind of stuff. That was a little bit more intensive
0: for us. Gotcha. So besides saving money, when you do the DIY, you've been also making money with flipping furniture. So one, how did you get into that? And two, where did you learn how to do that? Yeah, it kind of gets
1: to the point where if you DIY your house so much, there's eventually not as much you can do anymore. You can always repaint walls and redecorate and that that's fun. At some point, I was kind of getting to the point where I, I knew I needed some other outlet and it was either house flipping or being more creative with side hustles. Thankfully, my job as a financial coach is mostly helping people pay off debt, live on a budget, that kind of stuff. But a lot of that comes down to, can you earn more money? And I never wanted to be the type of coach that was like, hey, go do this, even though I would never personally drive Uber Eats or whatever it might be. I actually would do and think it's fun, but I would never recommend that to somebody. I started furniture flipping just for fun to show people, here's how much money you can make. And, and it really stuck for me. It became a side hustle that I found really creatively fulfilling and getting your hands dirty and playing with power tools on a much smaller scale scale yeah. and not as expensive <laughs> as like a home remodel project. It's yeah. so fun. And honestly, YouTube, great resources. There's lots of um, really good channels. There's one that I'm a big big fan of. It's called Salvage by Katie Scott. She does the coolest projects that are so beautiful, Watching her do some of that stuff is always really inspiring, but I don't know. I I think it's just a fun way to make money. And honestly, you can easily make at least four to 500 bucks per month if you're just picking up one project per week
0: and that's it. How do you find these gems? And then what, when you say like you're flipping, what kind of restoration is this? Is this like refinishing it? Is this reupholstering? What kind of projects Mm -hmm. are you taking on?
1: I find different pieces from auctions is number one. There's an auction site called HiBid, hibid.com. This is for all across the U.S. So any auction in your area, you can go there. You can bid on different items, kind of like eBay. And then I used to purchase a lot of furniture from there. Thrift stores, I have a dresser in my car right now. So right after I ran an errand, I found a dresser to flip. (laughs) So I currently have one in my car. I just picked that up from a thrift store for 45 bucks. But mostly that's where I'm getting most of the pieces. Facebook Marketplace is where I'm also finding furniture. Sometimes you need to do some work and sometimes you can just take cute pictures and sell it immediately. Usually the pieces that are most profitable do require a little bit of work though. Okay. Work meaning painting,
0: typically. Typically. What's been your favorite project with the flipping? Mm. One of my favorites,
1: this, okay, this one I thought was so fun because it was, I was trying to uh, creatively challenge myself. I started to do a lot of dressers. Dressers sell like crazy, just so you guys know. Anytime you find a dresser that you can repurpose, it will sell for easily 200 to $300. Like it's, it's a good mm. win. I was doing a lot of that and getting kind of bored of that same stuff. But I was seeing a lot of old TV stands and armoires and just those kinds of pieces that are beautiful, but massive I found this little entertainment stand with these tambour doors that everybody had I think like the 80s or 90s I don't recall exactly when but I took that that little tambour stand and I sawed off the base of it so there was a drawer piece sawed that off and put on some mid-century legs and wow. sold that for I bought it for $10 I sold it for 120 and that was so fun wow. because it totally made it look like a mid-century modern piece that's awesome <laughs> It's amazing. And I think that's the cool piece too is once you once you start to identify, mm-hmm. "Oh, what if I did this with this? What if I, you know, took this cabinet and I put on some legs and I took mm-hmm. out the glass panels that are not so cute and did some burlap or cane behind that. What if I painted it?" Once you start to do it a couple of times, you will see potential in so much furniture, but you have to like mm-hmm. train your brain to see it.
0: Yeah, I have a couple friends that are really good. Like I we've gotten a lot of things around our house like right behind me I love this piece Mm, like thrift store consignment and everything I have friends with much better eyes but I think I'm starting to get it or at least I know when I like something and when I don't (laughs) but I I think there's also another benefit to looking at thrift stores and you know upcycling flipping is it's an eco-conscious you know completely choice and then some of these pieces are just incredible. It's like there's a little bit of history when you're fixing it up or, you know, putting it in mm-hmm. your house.
1: It's the best. And, and I think you're spot on. When you start to see, I had to haul a bunch of dirt to the landfill over the summer and just seeing all of the furniture that people throw away oh, wow. killed my heart. So if you can find a piece of furniture and give it new life or just fix it up, or you see something along the side of the road that somebody just threw away, figure out a way to repurpose that and try to sell it as well. So it's doing a couple of good things. You're helping the environment and you're also making a little bit of money and learning new skills. So I guess there's three good things, but I think it's a really great way to go.
0: This segment is brought to you by Coastal Credit Union. If you want to live better, you got to bank better. Find out how at bankbetter.org. Before we wrap up, I want to share a few key takeaways I got from preparing this episode. The first is, start where you can. With Whitney, flooring was one of our first projects, and that might be the perfect project for you. Or you might be more along the lines of us, where our first project was painting. It may not sound like much, but you can always grow and develop new skills. Fixing up furniture you find at yard sales or consignment stores is another great thing to do, or even doing small repairs around the house, including your gadgets. These are ways to practice and develop your skills. The second is run the numbers and outline the project. Whitney mentioned she kind of wings it with some of her projects, but she also said that she does break them down into the steps, even if you, do decide to hire a contractor, it is really beneficial to be familiar with the overall process so that you can make sure that you're getting a good deal and paying them fairly. Finally, safety first. An additional benefit of breaking down and understanding the process for a project is knowing your limits. It's not worth saving money for your safety to be in jeopardy. Make sure you have the proper equipment, you're practicing proper safety techniques, and that you're knowledgeable about that. Whitney is comfortable with some electrical work in part because she had an electrician show her the ropes. For us, we'll do some plumbing, but we'll call a professional for electrical work. You have to find that line that's comfortable for you while still staying safe. There's so much we can chat about, and I know some of you are into DIY and have some great stories this year. Please come and share them and join us in our Facebook group, Thriving Families, We're there to support one another with our family and financial goals. I'd love to share any tips that I have, and I'd love to hear from you. Just head over to simplifyandenjoy.com slash FB. We hope to see you there. Special thanks to Whitney for being a part of this episode. If you want to learn more about her DIY projects, please check her out at WhitneyHanson.com. And give a listen to her show, Money Nerds. As always, I'll have links to those as well as other resources we mentioned in the show notes over at Simplify and Enjoy. I'm thrilled about the season and what we're jumping into. If you want to share your story, ask questions, or want to throw out a topic for a future episode, please reach out and be a part of our community. Just head over to simplifyandenjoy.com slash join. Next week on the podcast, we're continuing to talk about the home. With the weather going to warm up in a few weeks and spring coming in next month, it's going to be the season to buy and sell houses. So if you're thinking of selling your home this year, we're going to be talking about what you need to know to get the best price for it. If you haven't already, make sure you're subscribed. You don't want to miss out on that episode. We're on iTunes, Spotify, basically whatever podcast app you prefer. Our theme song is from Staircases, additional music by various artists from audio. Finally, and most importantly, thank you so much for your support, not just for listening, but sharing your favorite episodes and giving your input over at our community at Thriving Families. I hope you have a wonderful week. Take care.